listening to Power Producers Shop Talk, where we are refining and redefining the sales game by equipping you with the tools you need to differentiate yourself in the marketplace. Tactical skills that will help you provide deliverable value to your clients and prospects. Here, these are conversations that will differentiate you from your competition. Now, if you don't want to be different than your competition, probably should just go ahead and shut this off. And action items that you can provide to take your prospects and clients to the next level. Like when we audit the mod and get and do the mod master and and give them the actionable items that they can that they can do in order to lower their cost of risk. This is Power Producers Shop Talk. Production redefined. Reasonable and what wasn't. And and I think that you know, that's, that's spot on. And, you know, these people that we're talking with don't necessarily understand what their exposures are and what they can even do about them, um, you know, when they're uncovered. So I, I do like that what we're able to provide is something tangible, action items that they can do. Are you ready to feel the power? Welcome to Power Producers Shop Talk, episode 15. How much do you work for an hour? That's what we're talking about. Dude, oh, we, I, I, I thought you were asking me. It was like, yeah. no, but I, I mean, know, man. It's funny. So, like, I remember <laughs> million when, bucks when I when I originally got my first job, which that's kind of redundant. Originally, at first, usually means the same thing. Yeah. Uh, but when I started working, it's been a long week, dude. When I started working the first time, I made four bucks an hour. I think that's legitimately the wage. And by Four the way, bucks an hour is not good. Um, not minimum wage either, by the way. Minimum wage was three thirty-five. And let me tell crazy. you, after a year, I got a raise to when five. When were you born? Like 1930? 1973. <laughs> Listen, dude, I got a raise to five bucks an hour, and I thought well, I had made my backflip. <laughs> I thought I'd made my ascension into the aristocracy at that point. It was... <laughs> Fantastic. I was 15 making five bucks an hour. That was like legend status at that point. Because your buddies that were working at Publix and McDonald's were only getting 335. It's crazy. I don't even remember what it was when I first started working. Like when I when I got my job at the uh, the old KFC Taco Bell. I, I want to say it was somewhere in the sevens, but I could be wrong. You know, it's funny because I, I listened to a guy talk one time. I don't remember where it was, but he was talking about his whole theory, and it was one of these weird people too. So take this for a grain of salt, but I, I actually did back into it a few times and it worked. But he basically said everything doubles in price every decade. Hmm. That, was his, that was his theory. So, okay. it, so if you take a, a Venti Starbucks, which is almost three bucks now for a Venti. No way. Way more than that. Are you just talking no, about just, like I'm a just like, just plain black coffee? Okay. Again, okay. I'm not making five bucks an hour anymore. It's in my days in the aristocracy of drinking the finer handcrafted beverages or whatever. I just go hot and black, just like my ladies. Okay. Oh, God. Here so, we go. Yeah. But anyhow, um, by the way, I have a feeling a few of you may have spit out your $3 Starbucks when you heard me say that one. Oh, I, I made a little funny right there. Anyhow, uh. um, if you take it though at three bucks an hour, go or three bucks a, a, a venti, dial it back ten years, a buck fifty. Twenty years ago, seventy five cents. Probably not that far off. Yeah, you, I don't know. You, I feel like this doesn't really apply to. I mean, like this doesn't this doesn't apply to everything. I feel like. 
No, not everything, but I mean, like, obviously, how I'm just don't shooting holes like in this guy's theory. I think he's a tinfoil okay. hat type of guy. Hey, I told you he was weird. No, he's <laughs> not. He is not recording a podcast in his basement with us. Okay, so we're safe. <laughs> <laughs> but anyhow, you know, I, I mentioned that because you know I look at how little I made. It wasn't enough. I mean, even back then, it's crazy that minimum wage was as low as it was because there wasn't that much of a change. I mean, granted, it was 30 years ago, but still. Well, what's minimum wage now? Like 10 bucks almost. Isn't it more than that? No, it's not more. Grayson's getting like 10 bucks an hour to work at Publix, and he's getting more than minimum wage. But it's close to 10. Okay. So, I mean, yeah, it's not far off. By the way, there's a fun little experience that just entered my life. He got his first car finally yesterday. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Nice. He's rocking an O2 Civic two-door. I hope there's a I hope there's a huge spoiler on it with a fat muffler in the tires that tip in instead Dude, of being a line. You took the words right out of my mouth. I mean, <laughs> he is one fat tailpipe and a job at Pizza Hut away from being a stereotype. <laughs> Every uh, guy that drove pizza that delivers pizzas has the fat tailpipe and the tire. I mean, yeah. It's terrible. I never yeah. got. I never got those guys. It doesn't. It doesn't. I just don't understand it. I'm not a four cylinder kind of guy to begin with. So, a, I don't think that that thing could haul me around town. Like the gas mileage would be terrible with that. <laughs> so much drag. Well, I might as well pull a Forrest Gump and just ride a mower everywhere. <laughs> But what we're talking about is how much do you work for per hour? This actually precipitated from a conversation that I had with a guy about why it is so important to stay in your lane, right? And so we don't do this. At least I don't think a lot of people do. They don't stop and think about what their hourly rate is. They think about, again, here's my commission. Mm -hmm. This is what I get when I get the deal done. But my question is, you ever take that amount and go back and divide it by the number of hours it took you to get the deal? I think the only time you do it is when it takes a long ass time to get the deal done. Right. Well, in, in this example, it's funny because this is a guy that I have conversations with all the time. Cool dude. He's going to know who he's, he's going to know who he is. I'm not going to call him my name, but we had the conversation. He's like, yeah, man, I got this staffing company. I got this trucking company. I got this. I got that. I'm like, I was like, dude, stop. Just, just stop. You have homework before we talk again. And he said, okay. I said, I need to know, I, I need you to go in. I need you to calculate your hourly rate. Because, because what was happening is he was having, he was seeing all these big premium accounts come in, right? Mm-hmm. They were, they were huge premium opportunities. Here's what he was blinded by. He was blinded by the premium and he wasn't seeing. He was the fifth agency these people had gone to. Right. He was going to go to market and be blocked or he didn't have markets for it to begin with. And so my point was, I want you to go and take all of these accounts you just talked about, because this is somebody that I've said, you've got to define who you want to go after and don't deviate from that. None of this stuff fit inside of the parameters that I'm aware of, of ideal business for this agency. Mm-hmm. And so I told him, I said, next time we talk, I want you to add up all the hours you spent on this. And I want you to divide those into the revenue that you've gotten on these accounts. He's like, all right, I'll do that. I'm like, dude, there's no math to be done. You didn't close anything. You're working for $0 an hour right now. 
Like there's, there's, there is no homework. It was a, a joke. I was being sarcastic, but I, I think that's where we, we fall, man. You know, we have such yeah. an opportunity to be in a lucrative occupation where you're going to just score serious coin. If you write the right type of stuff that we don't stop and, and look at efficiency and how we're investing our time and what we're doing. And totally. that's why, that's why to me, if you take your time on the front end, it's not like you're investing days of your life, but take some a few minutes or 10 or 15 minutes. My favorite daytime programs. Stefano. <laughs> so anyhow, it, it, wasn't he on Days of Our Lives? <laughs> Probably. I don't know. Yeah. Who cares? Um, it, it's shop talk, not soap talk, okay? <laughs> <laughs> nice. But, nice. But you look at that and you don't realize – Oh my goodness! I'm well, actually not. Well, think about it too. Time. Like, like whenever, whenever you're working on a big one, and 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 you've got all this other stuff going on. As soon as a call comes in about that, or an email, like you stop what you're doing and you go back to it, and it's you know it's causing you to probably leak, leak revenue elsewhere. Yeah. Um, so, it, I mean, it's definitely you get blinded by the premiums. I'm, that's I think that's that's a natural thing. But you're totally right. I think you need to sit down and, and figure out what you know, what your worth is when you're, when you're going through this. Do you know how much, do you know who knows how much they make per hour? People who work, people who work hourly (laughs) or, or bill hourly attorney CPAs. Right. Do do you know who insurance agents always wanted to be treated the same as? It's like we just talked about. Yep. Attorneys and CPAs. Then why the heck aren't we keeping track of this? Mm Mm-hmm. And I think part of it is agency principles. I don't know. I could be wrong on this, but agency principles, by and large, when they're looking at efficiency, when they're looking to enhance profitability, they always look at the inward portion of the operation to make sure that the service people are turning enough tickets on time, you know, that they're issuing the certificates as quickly as they come in, getting all their tasks closed out, all of that, because it's tangible and easy for them to measure. When it comes to talking to producers, about improving efficiency, that conversation never happens. Does because, that is that because it's because it's commission? Well, we're talking either, about or either that or they just don't have not thought about it that way before. They're just simply looking to see are these people making the, the money that they're supposed to make, mm-hmm. and that's it. They're looking at the top line revenue. So to me, you got to peel that onion back a little bit. If you're not making your numbers, number one. Let's take a look at what your activity is. You know, how much time are you spending doing, you know, not how much time, but are you doing those activities that you need to do in order to be successful? Mm. So number one is, are you even doing them? Which, you know, we found that when you peel the onion back in some cases, people aren't doing them. Um, But the other piece is, if you are, how much time are you spending to do that? And that's where it stops, right? So they so they stop and they don't calculate anything. I think if you're a producer and you're not keeping a log of your time, you're blowing it. Because yeah. that account that's ten thousand in revenue, but it's costing you a hundred hours a year, mm-hmm. that's not nearly the profitable account that you want it to be. And I realize I'm asking people to mentally stretch right here because this isn't how a producer typically thinks, but you need to because in a producer's mind, it's, oh man, I just closed this $10,000 revenue account or 
my commission on this deal is 10 grand. Great. You worked 467 yeah. hours to close it. How right. much are you making per hour to do that when you neglected four accounts that are 7,500 that you would have worked two hours a piece on? Which mm-hmm. one do you want? Yep. No, I agree. I, I mean, I, I think for me, where I end up losing time is when I'm having to deal with some of the smaller business that's either been referred to me that, um, or, you know, call in stuff where I'm spending my time quoting or, or answering questions and phone calls, you know, from them. That's, and, and you just kind of get, get down in the weeds with some of that stuff. That that's where it's happened to me for sure. Well, and the other thing, you know, my other observation on all of that is, you know, number one, you need to know how much you're willing to work for an hour and you need to set that as a baseline and not work for any less than that. What does that mean? Well, that means we're going to have to walk away from a few accounts Mm -hmm. every now and again. Right. You know, and again, people don't like to hear me say it, but agents by and large are typically whoring themselves out to whoever will hear whatever their pitch is to sell them a product. If you're going to be a trusted advisor, if you've got a value proposition, you have to identify, here's how much I'm going to work for per hour. And you need to figure out on the front end of those deals, whether or not these accounts are worth your time. The difference between the most successful people in any form of business, not just in in production for commercial insurance, but in any kind of business, understand their value. Mm -hmm. They know what their value is. When you go after this stuff, you might get some endorphin release in your brain that gives you temporary pleasure over the fact that you closed something. But in the meantime, let me pat you on the back and congratulate you for diminishing your value proposition to every other account that you write because you just dropped below the line. And now you're giving an unfair amount of your time to an account that probably doesn't appreciate it. In fact, they're probably the ones who want to know how much commission you're making. Exactly. So do you just back into that number from what you're looking at over the course of the year in in revenue and 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 do it that way? Or do you have some other formula? No, I I just look at it based on, you know, I look, A, I spitball it. Okay. So this is where I'm gonna talk out of both sides of my mouth a little bit, but I I have a I've been doing it long enough, I have a pretty good gauge on it, right? Mm-hmm. So if something starts to feel like it's getting a little left to center, I'm gonna start keeping a log. Okay. And then I'm, then I'm going to log my hours. Like every time I've got a phone call, I'm going to go in and look, or I'll go into HubSpot and see all of the calls in HubSpot, how long I was on them. And then I'll look at the other activities and things that I've had. And I'll start putting together a general idea of what it looks like. I'm dealing with one right now that has turned into an absolute nightmare account. I didn't think that it would. It's a guy that was a buddy of mine who has now left the company and he brought me in. And it was a situation where I knew that I could help this company, but I needed full disclosure of information. So I asked for copies of contracts and everything else. So that I knew the insurance requirements, wasn't worried about the risk management piece, wasn't worried about whether or not I could get coverage. I was worried about whether or not I could get coverage with the right carrier that didn't have the exclusions and everything and had the correct endorsements that this company needed. It's a GC. Mm-hmm. And we know David doesn't typically deal with GCs, but this is a different spin on one. And it's somebody that I knew that asked me if I would work with them. And so I broke the rule. Well, guess what happens? The same thing that happens every time I break a rule. A, you know, I lose money, you know, or time or both. You know, same thing with hiring. You break the rule on hiring. The the, the one bad apple I've had in production is because I broke the rule. I'm not going to ever break that rule again. So 
I, I started digging into this and I'm looking at it and looking at it and looking at it. I'm like, holy cow, man, I really need to put a pencil to the paper and look at how much time I've probably got a hundred hours into this account. And we just wrote it back in the spring. And so now what's happened is, and the reason why we're having issues is because they're dealing with a large general contractor that's got a national presence and they had a boatload of things that they expected to be on the policy. And guess what? That's not one of the contracts they gave me. For whatever reason, they hmm. didn't feel like I needed to know that information. And so I was very clear when I talked to them that this is not how we were going to conduct this relationship going forward, that I expected full disclosure. And if I wasn't going to get that, they needed to find somebody that was willing to work with half the information because I can't get them the results that they need if I'm not given the information that I need in order to go to the marketplace. And the frustrating part about it, and I know people listening to the, the podcast have been in this situation before, but the frustrating thing about it is guess who gets blamed when the proper uh, the, the premium quadruples? Yeah. It's my fault, right? Well, why didn't you write it right the first time? I don't know, Sparky. Why didn't you send me the contract I asked you to? I see that's just the one thing that always drives me crazy is is when the insured is not willing to give like I mean you just gave the example of somebody in the in the last one that we recorded that didn't want to tell you their sales. It's like how, like how am I supposed to negotiate on your behalf and and do my job with the incorrect information? It's or 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 just not even incorrect information, just not even having the information. It blows yeah, my I mean- mind. Yeah, and it's like these some of these privately held companies or they they just for whatever reason they want to keep everything close to the vest. I think it's ridiculous. And my my question is, well, just out of curiosity, how do you expect the insurance carrier to rate your policy when you're in a class code that's rated off of sales? Right. Without knowing the sales, maybe you haven't contemplated this, sir. But you are a chain of retail stores. I mean, (laughs) your policy is going to be rated off of how much revenue you do. And I don't know if it's just that people are uneducated on how like insurance actually works and how policies get rated. And that totally could be it. I'm sure that there are some scenarios of that, but I have to also think that people just are, I don't know, man, just difficult for no reason. Yeah. And and if it happens, you know, time and time again, which is, again, it goes back to what I say, get your idea. You know, once you've been in the business for a little bit, once you've done some research, once you've been on a few calls, you know who you're going to have success with. You have some idea of, oh, this is really a class of business that we can look, dude, look at what you did with the Marvel people. Like you had mm-hmm. how many Marvel oh. accounts that came. That, to was, you that was crazy, man. Like within a couple months, I was just marbling it up. Yeah. It, but I mean, you had success with it and yeah. you wrote every one of them and they were reasonably good accounts. So why wouldn't you go after more Marvel people? Right. But instead, somebody's going to see that a freaking a $10,000 revenue towing operation that's 80% repo that nobody wants to write, and they're going to waste all their time going after it because they right. see that that revenue is such a huge nut when in the meantime, they could have just stayed in their lane and kept going after their ideal stuff and their book would have performed so mm-hmm. much better. And Good point. not to mention the fact now, it's not just about what you're working for per hour for the time being. It's I've got critical mass in a specific type of business. And if this book's performing pretty well for me, I'm going to go to this carrier and say, yeah, do something on a commission. This yeah. is, I got it. You know, right. 15 points. Come on. I'm giving you a single digit loss ratio across 2 million in premium. You're going to have to give me 20. 
And then after that, go and disclose it to everybody. Yes, I will. I will disclose it immediately. In fact, I'm going to buy one of those hats that's got the infrared ticker across the front of it. And I'm just going to program my commission for that particular account. And then I put that hat on and walk in every time so that they can just see it ticking across my face. Shirt on or off? Always off. <laughs> Always. Uh... But I mean, I, again, I would challenge everybody to think through that as you get ready to go into this next week. Figure out how much you're willing to work for per hour and then make a decision to never work for less than that number again. Or if you do, make sure it's a freaking accident. Right. That's all I got, man. Get out of here. Yeah. Have a good weekend, everybody. See you. been listening to power producers shop talk you can follow us at the power producers podcast on facebook and instagram and if you want to take your game to the next level check out our commercial insurance training course at killingcommercial.com or visit amazon to pick up a copy of our international best-selling book the extra two minutes